This is Toastcaster, your communication leadership and learning lab, with your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 136, Why Listen to Small Business Owner Stories, with our guest, Paul Finkelstein, from OMG Talk Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster, your communication, leadership, and learning lab. This is your host, Greg Gazin. We have a special guest today. All of our guests are special because I'm always excited to speak with them. But today we'll be speaking with Paul Finkelstein. He's speaking with us from Delray Beach in Florida in the U.S. He's an on-air podcast personality. He does a podcast called OMG Talks the Small Business Owners Podcast. He loves marathons. He started late in life doing them as fundraisers. And he's also involved in Medicare insurance when he's not doing his podcasting. He's an avid Toastmaster, the past president of West Boca Toastmasters, past area division director. He's also sponsored clubs. He's been a president. He's been a club president and he's a very busy guy. Paul Finkelstein, welcome to Toastcaster. Thank you for having me, Greg. And just so in case somebody in Toastmaster land hears that, it, it, I was a past Area 50 director, but not a division director yet. Okay. <laughs> I stand corrected. Now, the reason I'm having you on the show today was because not that long ago, in fact, was it this week? Yeah, it was this week. You asked me to be on your podcast. And it's funny because I'm the one that's usually asking the questions. But I found the interview very inspiring. In fact, I found the preparation inspiring because you have a very simple podcast. You asked four questions. As I prepared, I realized that these questions really forced me to reflect. They forced me to dig deep and think back, which is kind of tough. I also realized that although you're asking us to talk about ourselves, what I found was it was helping me connect with others because I listened to some of your some of your other podcast episodes your guests were answering the same questions it was making me it was making me think I also felt that listening to other people's stories and some of the things that they've done and some of the challenges that they've gone through could also be inspiring I also realized that perhaps something I could do to add value was something that <laughs> I'd forgotten now I don't want to say too much more but I want to maybe get you to answer the same question. Tell us a little bit about what you do. And then, of course, I want you to talk about the podcast that you're, that you're doing and everything else related to it. So go ahead. I love that question. I actually asked you to tell me a, a nine-do question. And that really does make people uh, have their eyes pop out of their head for sure. <laughs> yeah. It looks complicated, but it really is simple. Just tell me what you do, basically, when you're going to a a downtown meeting at your local chamber of commerce or you're meeting on a podcast or a virtual meeting as we have to do today. About what I do, well, basically my wife and I have decided to brand ourselves as Mr. and Mrs. Medicare. That pretty much gets to the point really quickly to say what we do. Basically, at people that are six months before they turn 65, We help them understand and run Medicare classes in a classroom setting, now virtual, using Zoom. Aside from what I do for a living as well, I love to train for marathons. I have a treadmill in our house, so I don't have to go anywhere during the pandemic. I could actually do nine miles on my treadmill. And I know what you're thinking. 
you're thinking that could be incredibly boring to be on a treadmill for so long. I could never do that, Paul. <laughs> Here's the thing now. If you can get a podcast that you love and put it in for an hour or 20 minutes, or sometimes I'll get off the treadmill every 20 minutes and put on a different podcast since those are the average lengths of a podcast. So that's another thing that I do. I decided to start the small business owner podcast. I call it omgtalk.com, talk for itself, but I stem from the idea of OMG, which is what teenagers actually used to text each other, maybe you still do. And I realized it's an acronym for online meet and greet. So I took out the domain name online meet and greet, the whole thing spelled out, but online or omgtalk.com goes right to the Small Business Owner Podcast. I'm so proud to say that we're on five different podcast platforms. And I've interviewed over 80 people already, or maybe about 70-ish, but I have 80 episodes on our podcast already. What was the end goal in terms of creating the podcast? The end goal is what Toastmasters actually taught me, that the public speaking is like a muscle like your heart. I mean, it's like when you go to the gym. I mean, if you ever get to doing 500 pounds on a bench press, which I I don't even think I could do one pound (laughs) on a bench press because I decided to take up marathon running and more focused on the cardio than the weights. But I do have some hand weights in the house, thankfully, to take care of that. But my goal was that I thought that public speaking, I'm convinced that public speaking is a muscle. Public speaking is like a muscle. And here I am using that muscle here in this podcast again to get what Darren LaCroix, world champion speaker at Toastmasters, always says to get stage time, stage time, stage time. I'm sure you interviewed him at one point or another. And that's why I started the podcast. (laughs) I've had a number of opportunities of speaking with Darren LaCroix and it definitely, it definitely gets those muscles going. I found your podcast to be a very valuable tool in terms of helping me share my story, but also helping me learn from others. What was your idea? What were you thinking that your audience and your guests would take away from your podcast when you started it? Uh, The big takeaway for my listeners and why even start a podcast in the first place is to have a theme, have have a really strong purpose of your audience. And my theme was small business owners because I started a a weekly meeting every Wednesday at 8.30 in the morning, Eastern time or ET, as we like to joke about it, sounds like ET phone home. The point was is to interview as many small business owners as possible and give them the opportunity to have a platform on my podcast, and then they could use those links. And for the first almost 100, I, I just wanted to do it for free so I can just get started, give people a little incentive to want to do it, Of course, it's amazing that you have to actually sell people on free also. (laughs) Of course. That's crazy. (laughs) Um, And and I've started interviewing small business owners and gave them an opportunity and an outlet to get on five different podcast platforms, pretty well known, iHeartRadio now, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, which uh, I think just had a big investment from Sirius Satellite as well as Warren Buffett invested in Sirius Satellite. So I know the podcast industry must be going gangbusters by now. And I imagine that because of the pandemic, maybe podcasting might be more interesting than TV because then you could specialize your news and cut out all the the media and really get down to life and living and not all, all that negativity. And so to focus on the small business owner is what I wanted to do. 
And that also was the next stage or a notch up for my Toastmaster experience so I can keep my public speaking practice in play. So you've interviewed 80 people. Is there anything that you've taken away in terms of something that you learned about business or your business? The best takeaway for me is I interview them strictly all about them or their business on the podcast. So what that means is they don't even hear a word about me unless it comes out in just 10 seconds or so in between their questions as it relates. But 99.999%, it's only about that small business owner. So when it's done and I click that stop recording button, I literally say, okay, now we learned all about you. Maybe you should know a little bit about the guy that interviewed you and what do I do? What the heck do I do? And uh, maybe we can have some synergy and we can network to- together and stay in touch off the podcast, offline, online, and maintain a business relationship and see if I could refer you. And if anybody can be referred to your business, all they have to do is forward the link from this podcast and learn about you in an interview because how much more engaging is it to, to send somebody an interview in an in a, in a interview format than you doing a monologue in a very commercialized video of 60 seconds of you talking about you tooting your own horn. You know, you paid for some professional videographer to make a commercial for yourself, but an interview could be a lot more powerful that format, I think. I do appreciate everything from all of my guests. Like for instance, yesterday I managed to talk to my computer person that actually uh, is easy to get a hold of. I text her, is something wrong with the computer? I need to have her sync up my brother's scanner so it works with my laptop and I could scan something and it shows up on my desktop. I, I These technology things, if it's more than just 10 minutes for me to figure something out in a gadget land, then I call Martha. And, and she was humorous. She was funny. She's here in Boca Raton, Florida area, just next door to Delray Beach. And that was a 20-minute podcast just yesterday. So that's probably the most memorable because it was yesterday. I met somebody brand new named Michael that's in West Palm Beach. And what's interesting is that he was referred by the last interviewer, uh, Bridget, and she is in West Palm Beach area, who is a coach. And then before that, she was referred by this guy, Michael, that I interviewed him and I wouldn't have met all three of them if it wasn't for the Tuesday morning Zoom meeting that I met these a couple of CPAs, Bruce and Sherry, and they led me to those three people. So it's interesting that referrals could lead to referrals to lead to referrals just on the interviews. And all three of them uh, got a chance to interview with me. I gave them five different links to all their podcasts. And it, and it was people that I had never met before in my life and wouldn't have met if it wasn't for the podcast. Of course, this young lady named Sarah Finkelstein, I interviewed her twice, called it Part A and Part B, about various things in her. I, I actually met her in April 18, 1998 at 10 o'clock in the morning at Denny's over a cup of coffee when the internet was dial-up in 1998. <laughs> And then this September, we'll be 21 years married. And I interviewed her, my wife, had no biases or anything like that, or the fact that she said, you're interviewing me, honey, and, and that's it, period. I'm paying you. <laughs> I was looking through a scrapbook and the days that you use a scrapbook of a camp photo from when I was 13 years old. And 
I was looking at my Facebook profile photos. And I don't know how I connected to this person. It must be because I always added friends on my Facebook of people that I met networking over the past 10 years or so. His face, I don't know, something made me think that maybe he's the guy in my scrapbook from when I was 13 years old, which was like 38 years ago. In business, I know that follow-up is so important, but how many people actually remember to follow up on every single occasion? I looked at the scrapbook, took a picture, and I texted it to this guy, Mark Berger. But I hadn't seen him last was 38 years ago at this camp, at Camp Starlight in Pennsylvania. Wow. And we were in the same bunk. And because of this site, alignable.com, we got connected there. And we got connected on LinkedIn and, of course, Facebook. When I contacted Mark, he said, hey, that looks like me. How'd you get this photo? That's the camp I went to. And I got him to agree to meet me at Dunkin' Donuts at 10 o'clock in the morning. And so I met Mark. But in that camp photo, I made it an extra challenge. And the head boys counselor was in the middle of that photo. And I looked him up on Facebook, got in touch with him through the camp starlight. He happened to make a post and said, this can't be. This is that person. His name was Mike Immergut. And we connected and I met him through a Zoom and interviewed him. And so just meeting Mark Berger and then Mike from a camp that I attended 38 years ago was kind of inspirational to be able to meet somebody that you haven't seen for 38 years and what happened. And that's a lot of decades to be able to meet people and connect through these interviews all across the country and the world. I love hearing from speakers or small business owners or any guest that is enthusiastic because that enthusiasm rolls over onto me. And I, I love to hang around people that are equally enthusiastic. I, I, I will always love to to play ball or play tennis with somebody who has a better skill than me. If I was playing tennis, I want to play someone who's better than me. And if I could be in a podcast with someone that's more enthusiastic than me, then that could really help my speaking skills as well. Another benefit to my small business owner podcast and who I meet is the people I meet on a Wednesday morning at 8.30 a.m. I record the whole meeting and put that on the podcast. So that meeting is on the podcast, a full hour meeting. And instead of actually doing a one-on-one with another business owner and, and a separate appointment, I actually call it group therapy for small business owners, basically, at 8.30 in the morning on a Wednesday. And literally, you have the opportunity to tell all about your business for a little bit, maybe four to five floors in an elevator spiel. I'm looking back through my guests, and they're just all small business owners that are great in their own right, in their, in their trades. And it was just a great opportunity to meet them all. And I might not have had the opportunity to meet them so easily in the pandemic by doing it virtually. I interviewed a guy named Eric Dennis, and he founded this sign, literally like a logo. And the logo is a sign. Maybe you even heard of it to see how grassroots he has grown. He actually coined a logo called This is a Good Sign. He literally put the words, this is a good sign, on a sign, a yellow sign, diagonal, like your yield sign. And he had young people of all different ages trying to spread a positive movement around the world. When you see the sign that says, this is a good sign, he, he's still trucking to make that a, an important message out there to really spread a, a movement of positivity. And the website is, this is a good sign. 
Eric Dennis thought of it, and he's up in Michigan, but he moved to California. I'm not sure where this is a good sign is now, but he, he, he his podcast is on my podcast, and his movement uh, is definitely inspiring, and, and I love the fact that he's probably the most positive person on the entire podcast because of his this is a good sign. That's That's good. I really, really like that. What I'm curious about is like, what did you learn about yourself in this process? What I definitely learned about me is that it's like my own self public speaking program in real life outside of a Toastmasters meeting where you're in small business practicing what you preach for six years in a classroom environment where you can practice. And now I could really, you know, flop or not flop, succeed or flop on my own and feel positive about it and feel more brave about it. Versus when you first start speaking in public, whether it's in front of a thousand people or one person, I want to continue to do that practice. And that's my motivation to want to do the podcast is I get to still talk with people and I could either lose myself in thought or I could be focused or a little bit of both. So it makes it more interesting. So you learned about yourself, the fact that you can make mistakes and you can recover from them. But the fact that you actually tried helps propel you forward. That's pretty accurate. But at the same time, I learned that my, my mission was to, when you, when you said I loved your questions, and it's amazing how you wonder how you come up with questions to actually do an interview. And I knew that they had to be open-ended, but I also wanted to have four or five questions that I could literally memorize, but also I keep the notes handy in front of me because everybody's conversation sometimes could obviously throw me off. And by having them in front of me, and keep us on track as well and keep it fresh. But those four questions mean that it's like my system, like McDonald's has a system. And by having the starting off with the questions, the nine do's, give me one thing that you're proud of. And then I don't just have a podcast where somebody tells me they're a 60 second commercial and tell me what you do. And it just sounds like they're in a networking meeting. I wanted to bring out some personality from the from the business people, the small business owners. And if it brings out a personality, then I've done my job and then also I got a chance to know them. But the key thing of what to get out of it, how Paul could say monetize out of doing a podcast, because so many people do podcasts and they don't charge anything for it, like myself for the first 80 podcasts, to not charge anything. The, the, the whole main purpose was is if that's my incentive to actually get small business owners to meet with me without having to pick up the phone and call them on the phone and cold call them so I could do a one-on-one meeting and just network and see how I could develop a, a bigger business network so that people would think of me for what I do and, and, and vice versa and me think of them for what they do when I come across other small business owners or other consumers that might need their product. At the end of the interview, I call the interviews like the equivalent of me giving somebody a cup of coffee only a lot more valuable and it lasts way longer than a cup of coffee. A cup of coffee is done. I just want to touch upon briefly one of the questions that, again, you gave me the questions ahead of time. I love the question, what are you proud of? And it's interesting because when you sent me that question ahead of time, I had a real struggle trying to come up with something. Now, I know you you clarified it and said you could be business or personal, But the truth is, you know, once you get on an age or once you get a lot of experience in business, there are tons of things. And as I mentioned in our interview, there's stuff that I'm proud of. And there's some things that's like, Greg, what were you thinking what you were doing with that? 
That's probably my favorite question is when somebody, when I ask somebody on my podcast, give me one success story that you're really proud of. I really love that question. And then I have to tell them or ask them if, if they want to talk about business or personal and make it so open-ended so that if I'm talking to someone who's not a Toastmaster, they're so comfortable they could just continue talking about it. And I make it so easy for the non-Toastmaster who's not seasoned about public speaking to be able to answer the questions because I want to hear what some successes are. I, I know a good commercial isn't, hey, tell me like five things that you did wrong. And people always could find criticism. They don't even have to turn the corner to find criticism. People are so good at that. But I want to bring out the movement of looking for compliments or looking for success stories so we could build upon a healthy relationship instead of just looking for what people did wrong. I know that every, nobody's perfect ex except for my wife and your wife. <laughs> And there I'm safe now. But at the same time, uh, and kidding aside, learning about what someone's success story is and what they're proud of really does help me get a gauge on, on how passionate they are about their business, how motivated they are in their business, and where they want to take their business forward. Because if there's no success story, if they're not proud of something, then why are they doing the business? So why should I refer them? And probably that's a good indicator to why want to continue networking with somebody if they sound even interesting to begin with. I mean, I know everybody's interesting, but eventually you only have your circle of how many people, how much time a day you have to keep in touch with so many people. You want to keep in touch with the people that have the most interesting stories and you could remember their stories. They say that stories are the things that sell and facts only tell and stories are memorable and facts you get, you forget them. But I was going to ask you, is there something that you can think of what you're most proud of? I could start right away and go back to Toastmasters and say, you know, I didn't know I wanted to get a DTM or a Distinguished Toastmaster Award from Toastmasters. The Distinguished Toastmaster was something that I have to say I must be proud of because just to go through all the steps and all the interviews and all the people and personalities and learn all those leadership skills and, and communication skills, and put it all together and to become a distinguished Toastmaster is definitely something to be proud of. If we were in video mode, I would hold up my DTM plaque that I think you have behind you, if I remember correctly from our podcast of you. That moment when you cross the finish line doing a marathon, same feeling when I got to DTM. It's, it's a journey. It's a marathon to keep improving. And, and having a goal definitely makes life a whole lot more interesting than not having a goal. I can't imagine being the person, and I hope that people when they retire at 65 or, or, or whatever age, that they don't stop and do nothing. I think that you always have to have a dream or a goal, no matter what age it is, and maybe this will inspire somebody, that we should all have something. And if you ever catch me slowing down and not going for a goal, then call me up or text me or send me a message on Facebook Messenger and say, hey, Paul, what are you going for lately? And what's your dream? And then let's go for it together. Here's another thing. If you know anybody that's trying to write a book for the very first time, I actually went to a, a workshop or a big conference in Orlando and saw a speaker, and she motivated me to actually write a book in one week. Wow. And it only takes one week to write a book. I've heard so many people say, I think it was even you included, 
say that you spend your entire lifetime to get a goal to write a book. And maybe the book I'm talking about might be a little bit different than the book that you or other people are talking about, uh, where it's thicker and larger and full of stories or anecdotes or a biography, or is it fiction or nonfiction? Maybe a book I'm talking about is a 100-page book that talks about one story segment of your life that's a lesson that you could teach people based on your experiences in your life that could help somebody in a specific area. Part of my career was being a head and shoulder portrait photographer. So I wrote a book about how to stand out from your competition. I put it on Amazon. And she also told me, the speaker, how well, she told the entire audience while she was speaking. And then she had a little book up there that she gave for free that said, how to write a book in one week. I have that book. It's on my nightstand. And I could tell you what it is. You can look it up on Amazon. Uh, but literally for people that want to write a book, in one week, it's not a problem because she told me right away and, and a whole audience that takes 10 index cards and write down on 10 index cards, 10 different topics that pertain to your story, your personal story that you want to teach. And on those index cards for those 10 topics, they become your chapters for your book. And then you just need to come up with a nice headline or title that relates to the main story that you want to teach. And then you have your 10 chapters, your headline or your title. And then a book basically is nothing, nothing except a Word document with a fancy cover. And they say that the book, that the cover sells the book. So make the cover really more exciting than the book. And then you might even want to, if you want to get your book into an entirely different audience, but the same story applies to the audience, then do an entirely different new cover and take your book. And, and target it to the other audience with the same content by just changing the cover. But how to write a book in one week is something I took advantage of. My wife took advantage of that too. She took that content and she wrote her book, about a 100-page book, about uh, retirement and financial freedom. And the one chapter, the chapter two, talks about Medicare. And it's like 13 pages condensing our, our classroom discussion about Medicare all in her book. So we both have two books. We both can say we're authors and we're both published on Amazon and we wrote the book in one week. I might have taken two extra days from the one week for my book, but she took about one week. See, there's my case in point. You shared with me what you were proud of, but at the same time, you added some learning value to the audience. Well done. You dragged it out of me. <laughs> that I did. Paul, as we wrap up our chat today, perhaps you can let people know where they can find you, where they can find your podcast. It's easy. You could find my podcast on Apple Podcast app. You could find it on SoundCloud app, Spotify app, or iHeartRadio app and Google Podcast app. And if you just search for OMG Talk, all one word, OMG Talk. You should be able to find it in a rare case. Maybe it was iHeart. You, may, you might have to put in small business owner podcast, but for the most part, I think if you put in OMG Talk, you'll find me. You could also find me at omgtalk.com. You could also get on my podcast and find out more information about it at interview at paulfinkelstein.com. And Finkelstein is spelled F-I-N-K-E-L. S as in Sam, T as in Tom, E-I-N as in Nancy. Go ahead, knock yourself out and email me, folks. Uh, if you want free VIP guest passes to my podcast, which is Wednesday mornings at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, you can go to smallbusinessowners, with an S, dot info, 
and that's your free ticket pass to get into the meeting. It goes, you don't even need a registration. It goes right into the Zoom meeting, but only at 8.30 a.m. on Wednesday, Eastern time. It sounds like a lot of value for your audience. Paul Finkelstein, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Greg. It's great talking again. I love your Canadian accent and everybody up north. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies. A new book by Greg Gazin, geared to ages 8 to 80. Whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, this short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at outsmartingthebutterflies.com.